Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, welcome to Off-Ramp. Oh, thank you so much. Nice to be here. From LAS Studios, I'm John Raby, and I love it when I can introduce a show like that. What more do you need to know? It's Kareem. But actually, in this case, you do need to know more because I'm not talking with Kareem about basketball. I'm not talking with him about his essays for time. I'm not talking with him about, you know, being in the series Emergency or in the movie Airplane or doing martial arts with Bruce Lee. I'm actually talking with him about something most people don't know about him, and that is that he is a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, as am I. And in 2015... I talked with him when he came out with his first book about Mycroft Holmes, Sherlock Holmes' smarter brother. And I think I can tell a story about this interview uh, that you have not heard. I think it's okay now. Something kind of cool happened. So I'll tell you that after the first break. But before we do that, let's listen to the first half of the interview. Again, this is from 2015. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, welcome to Off-Ramp. Oh, thank you so much. Nice to be here. Kareem is the co-author of a new book. It's called Mycroft Holmes, and it's a novel that tells the backstory of Sherlock Holmes' lesser-known brother. Before we talk about that, though, let's go way back. Like so many of us, your introduction to Sherlock Holmes was the Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce movies on TV. Yes, they they called it Sherlock Holmes Theater. It was on every Saturday I used to watch it with uh, some of my boys uptown in uh, in Manhattan. What'd you think? At that point, I thought that Sherlock Holmes was the greatest detective ever, and I, I thought he was a real person. I had no idea that he was a fictional character. I didn't find that out until uh, much later when I was in high school and I first read uh, the, uh, the Red-Headed League. What struck you about the Red-Headed League? It's one of the best stories. Well, I, I think it's classical uh, in everything that uh, Holmes really has it solved very early in the uh, relating of the story, but you don't really realize that until uh, the end where he has it all together and um, he just does it like he's going to lunch or something like yeah. that. He, he, well, we'll pick these bad guys up and, uh, and lock them up. And But it's, it's, it's typical uh, Arthur Conan Doyle where... Um, all of the uh, evidence is there. It's just that m- most people who aren't able to discern things when they first see them uh, miss it. And, uh, of course, Holmes n- never misses things like that. I don't want to get into plot points right now but um, in, in Mycroft Holmes. But in Mycroft Holmes, there is a, a villain who has bright red hair. Is that, was that a nod to the Red-Headed League? Just a slight one. You know, n- nothing, nothing serious there. We put a, a number of those in there. Not everybody got all of them, but you know that that's uh, that's the fun of all of this. They're little Easter eggs that you can find. Uh, yes, in, yes, in the book. exactly. So you co-wrote this book, Mycroft Holmes, with Anna Waterhouse. Why did yes. Why did you pick Mycroft to focus on? Mycroft gave us a a great big field to play in, so to speak. Um, he's only mentioned in about six or seven of the original stories. And uh, some of the things that Sherlock says about him in those stories is uh, remarkable. Uh, he says he's he's in the British government, but sometimes he is the British government. And this is a, a, a very uh, startling thing because at this time, 
Uh, Great Britain was a world superpower. Uh, the sun literally never set on the British Empire, and uh, they got a lot of things done. He's seven years older than Holmes. Holmes actually says that he's he's uh, that Mycroft is smarter than him. Yet when we meet Mycroft in the Holmes stories, he's immensely obese. He doesn't like going out, uh, and he even though he's so smart, he would rather just sit and figure things out. He doesn't really wanna he doesn't really wanna mix with people. Exactly. He's uh, he's become a recluse. He's in his forties uh, or fifties and does not uh, mingle much with, with people. He goes from his offices where he works to his apartment and then from there to his club, uh, the Diogenes Club, where speaking is not allowed. Uh, so that's it about uh, on, on Mycroft. We, we, he has no other social life and we don't know anything about him. And that uh, really opened the door for us to, uh, to fill in the, the blank and uh, give him a life that he had before we encounter him in the Sherlock Holmes stories. Sherlock Holmes uh, doesn't really like women. He seems to be pretty much asexual. He only likes Irene Adler uh, in one story. The, f- the fair sex is your uh, department, Watson, he says. But Mycroft Holmes is a full-blooded man. Yes, he is. And uh, he has, uh, in, in our novel, he has aspirations to get married. This takes him on, just that whole situation by itself takes him on a journey. Yeah. Takes him on a journey specifically to Trinidad, which, yes. is, which is your background. Yes. My family came from Trinidad. My, my grandfather emigrated to New York City in 1917. People see the British Empire uh, at this time, Victorian England, as separate from all of the colonies. And uh, in writing our story, we wanted to show how they were connected. Uh, People from all over the world uh, that were British subjects uh, ended up in London. You know, some of them did and uh, interacted with uh, London citizens. And you you never see that in any depictions of Victorian London. It's it's always just uh, white Britishers. And that, that, that wasn't the case. There was Chinese people. There were people from India, Burma, uh, Africa, the Middle East, all of those uh, cultures uh, were part of the British Empire, and um, all of those people, in, to some degree or another, ended up in London in uh, varying numbers. Mycroft Holmes, his best friend, is a black man from, uh, from Trinidad. In, it's like 1870, right? In, in, the 18, yes. in the 1870s, would it have been plausible for, uh, you know, a, a white... Britisher to have a black friend? Yes. Yes, it would have. They, the, the Brits ended slavery in, uh, I believe, 1827. And, uh, you know, black people who had uh, been part of the empire ended up in, in England uh, for one reason or another. And there were definitely many, uh, uh, it, it was a, a diverse a diverse city, uh, a cosmopolitan diverse city, even though it's uh, rarely depicted like that. Did it rankle you when you read the stories? That uh, these kind of friendships were never told? It didn't annoy me, no. I, I just felt that uh, it was a, a short-sighted, uh, an unfortunate short sight on, on the British people that they didn't uh, celebrate their diversity. Yeah. Tell us about Cyrus Douglas, this, this man who is he's, he's a more active Watson than Watson to, to Mycroft. Uh, actually, he's about the same, uh, although he doesn't have Watson's background. Watson, we see, you know, is is Sherlock's uh, forensic knowledge and uh, muscle when he needs it. But uh, in 
in my book, uh, Mycroft Holmes, we have uh, we use Cyrus to be the moral anchor because uh, Mycroft himself he's he doesn't uh, he doesn't mind stepping on toes. He's kind of Machiavellian, you know. He he he's going to get it done one way or, in, or the other, and uh, if it's not scrupulous. Uh, that doesn't necessarily bother him. The The end result is, is is the most important part of things for him. And Cyrus lets you uh, explore another aspect of your background, which is uh, the martial arts. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, just the fact that uh, Mycroft needs uh, somebody with some muscle that, to, to back him up in this thing because they very quickly run into some bad guys that uh, do not appreciate their meddling. Uh, they they get the help. Uh, Mycroft and Cyrus get the help of a Chinese Tong on Trinidad, and these are the guys. I forget their exact name. You could you should tell us that because it's great. The, the name of their group, uh, and and these are the the experts in martial arts who have taught Cyrus what he what he knows about uh, about defending himself. Uh, Cyrus has learned from them, but uh, in addition to what he's learned from the uh, harmonious fists, yeah. Uh, uh, He's also learned capoeira because he's uh, traveled to Brazil mm. to uh, to trade in tobacco and spirits, and uh, he's picked up some uh, martial arts expertise from the Brazilians. So uh, Cyrus is, uh, again, eclectic in that sense. And um, when he comes uh, back to Trinidad with, with Holmes, he, uh, he gets tested by his old buddies in the tongue, and uh, it's, it's a great scene. Uh, Cyrus is also older uh, by, I think, like 13 years or something. He's 40, and, and uh, Mycroft is 23 in the book. And, and so he's he's not only more of a moral center, he's also kind of more of a calm center, too, because Mycroft has really come unhinged. Mycroft's uh, uh, world falls apart uh, in, in pieces in in short order, and um, he, has, he, he can't figure it out at first. So, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, very important for uh, Cyrus to, to be there and to uh, be kind of an anchor for him. Coming up after the break, I'll tell you the story I promised to tell you, uh, one that I think really says something about the kind of person that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. From LAS Studios, this is Off Ramp. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. We're back. This is Off Ramp from LAS Studios. We've been listening back to my 2015 interview with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And the story I wanted to tell you, it's, it's not really momentous, but I think it gives you good insight into the kind of person that uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. We did this interview twice. And the first time... He just wasn't very engaged. I wasn't very comfortable. I think the whole thing just felt off. It would have aired and people would have liked it because it's Kareem, but it wasn't nearly as good as it could have been. I was disappointed, and I think he was too, because I got a call from the, the, the publicist right after we finished, and she said, if I remember correctly, you know, uh, Kareem thinks he can do better. Do you have time to redo the interview? I was like, it's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yes, I will make time to redo the interview. And uh, we started again, and it was fabulous. And uh, I, th- I think we both felt comfortable with, that, with, with each other. I guess we'd had a, you know, we'd had a practice game. And uh, so that's the interview you're listening to right now. 
take two of uh, my Kareem Abdul-Jabbar interview. And I guess it just says that uh, he pays attention. He wants to get it right. Uh, and that he doesn't settle for what a lot of celebrities settle for, which is kind of a, you know, a pro forma um, junket style interview. And I, I really respected him for that. And uh, I also respected him for saying, essentially, I, I, you know, that he didn't do a, a great job and wanted to do better. Anyway, let's get back to my 2015 interview with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. How much, so so we've, we've been talking about this. That much of the action happens, most of the action happens in Trinidad. How much of your Trinidadian background did, did you know as you were growing up? Uh, I knew a, a lot about it because my grandmother was alive until I was 12 years old. Mm. And she used to tell he, she used to tell stories about Luke Guru. Um, me and my cousins, uh, before we'd go to bed, we'd be scared and stuff. And you know, she she tell us stories and tell us fact factual stuff about Trinidad, what it was like. She um, got to my my grandparents came from went from Belize City to Mobile on a boat to to Mobile, Alabama, and then took in 1917, and then uh, took the train from uh, Mobile to New York City. And my grandmother um, had no idea of the size of the earth, and she kept thinking that the train was going to run off of land and into the ocean, because how can a train travel for three days and not hit hit water? You know, not having ever left the island of Trinidad. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that that was always a a big joke uh, in in the family, how how my my grandmother figured out the size of the world... uh, in her travels, her, her first travels outside of Trinidad. Did you think of your grandparents as you were as you were writing that part of the book? Certainly, certainly I did. The town that my grandfather was from is mentioned in the book uh, just in passing. No, it's a nice way to. Uh, yeah, you know, I've done pieces about my parents uh, who who have passed away, and it's nice to go back. And even though it's a little melancholy, it's nice to go back and kind of relive that because then they're alive again, you know, for a little bit. And yeah, you, it, it gives you uh, an idea of what their experience was like as as young people and that's uh that's that's a very precious thing yeah. to to be able to see that right they were young wait a minute <laughs> they fell in love they did stuff yeah 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 what's loop guru loop guru uh, is the evil spirit that uh, comes and attacks the kids and uh, drains their blood <laughs> and she told you stories about this when you were going to bed Oh yeah, she she used to try to scare us and stuff, you know. and so the vampire flies around at night, and uh, the only way to get rid of him is when he's out flying around, uh, going. You put salt on his grave, and he can't return to it, and he dies when the sun re- comes up. You co-wrote this book with Anna Waterhouse. You've worked with her on other projects, including, I think, the last thing we talked with you about, which was uh, on the shoulders of giants. What was the what was the working process like? How much of the book is you? How much is her? How did you guys figure things out? Well, it's it's hard to say how much. I uh, probably the story is me, but Anna's craft uh, as uh, you know uh, just being able to craft dialogue and set up scenes and uh, make the story flow. That's uh, totally her. Um, she was a wonder to work with. And um, there, there was no ego involved. You know, she didn't have an ego. I certainly didn't have an ego. Um, I, I was scared to death that I was going to fall on my face in, in, in attempting this. So, uh, you know, we, we were able to work together, uh, help each other figure out things that uh, stumped us from time to time. And, um, you know, it, it 
I think it took us about eight months total to uh, to get it done and to be satisfied with it. And, um, you know, she totally deferred to me on things that I felt were important. And, of course, I totally deferred to her on things that she thought were important, uh, especially with, you know, the structure, you know, how to, when to, to, to tell certain facts and uh, how to get it done in, in the most effective way. Something else you're able to do in this book by focusing on Mycroft is to give us a different look at Sherlock Holmes's character. Sherlock appears just very briefly near the beginning of the book, and uh, you know he's 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 Mycroft's younger brother. He's still at school, uh, and he's he's pretty weird. And Mycroft knows this, and Mycroft is is worried about him. His obsessions. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because he, he's obsessed with things, he, and. Uh, He's going to uh, figure it out one way or another, and he, he nothing's going to stop him. But Mycroft is worried that Sherlock's going to go crazy. Right, because he just uh, he's not focusing on his studies. He's uh, doing strange things and hanging out with actors and learning odd things about chemistry and stuff like that. that the, all the things that interest him that uh, you know we would find rather odd. You went, I believe, in, in January to your first meeting of the Baker Street Irregulars, which is the, the preeminent American group of Sherlockians. What did you think? It was really a, a fun evening, just seeing all these people and checking out the biographies on all of these people that I met. Mm-hmm. They, they, some of the most highly accomplished people in anything that you can, mean, can name, business, the arts and sciences, uh, they're, they're very well-educated Highly accomplished people. It was a, real, a lot of fun uh, mingling with them. You're highly accomplished, too. You don't need to respond to that, but you are. Um, what, what is it, do you think, that draws all of you to Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock is a perfectionist. Sherlock wants to get it done right. He wants the criminals punished. He wants the innocent to walk. And not every legal system can, can achieve that. And Sherlock is able to see with clarity what has happened and identify the uh, the miscreants. So uh, he's always on top of it, and uh, this is what people want to see in their uh, justice system. Well, and I think, too, if you're a perfectionist, it's frustrating because nothing can ever be perfect, but Holmes is always able to do that thing that you can't do. Yes, he's always able to get closer to it and get a lot more clarity than uh, the average person. Yeah. Kareem, thanks very much for joining us on OffRamp. It was great talking to you, and good luck. And that's my 2015 interview with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar about Mycroft Holmes, which he co-wrote with Anna Waterhouse. The two of them have gone on to write two more books about Mycroft Holmes, Mycroft and Sherlock, and Mycroft and Sherlock, colon, The Empty Birdcage. That's it for this edition of Off-Ramp from LA Studios. Our theme music is by Fesslian Studios. I'm John Raby, and I'll catch you next time on The Off-Ramp. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.